0: Welcome to episode two of Origins Unknown podcast. My name is Claire Huntington.
1: And I'm Chris Holt, welcome to the first episode featuring my personal search for origins unknown. From crying over boba tea in a movie theater to accidentally applying to a trip to Korea, I will walk you through my story.
0: In this episode, we will discuss hidden triggers for adoptees.
1: We will also introduce you to more of the specifics regarding cultural and political hurdles that are specific to adoptees from South Korea.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for not only this episode, but on our search for origins unknown.
1: Enjoy. Welcome to episode two to Origins Unknown podcast. I am Chris Holt. I'm Claire Huntington. And this is officially our second episode. So today we are going to dive a little deeper in Korean adoption and everything kind of circulating. Why Korea gave up, up. I think it's like 130,000 babies wow. um, between the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So...
0: And we thought it was important just to not confuse people. We will be covering Canadian adoption in the '80s in our next episode, but mm-hmm. we just figured that if we didn't do them as separate episodes, it would get too confusing. Yeah, it's and, confusing for us as well.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of heavy, um, especially with Korean adoption. Um, so I guess just to kind of preface all this, I only found out about a lot of the circumstances surrounding Korean adoption and the boom of that with uh, like last year. So I went to a conference at Berkeley in February right before the pandemic hit. And it was just talking about Korean adoption. So um, I guess to start, it really stems from uh, the Korean War. And I, I think you need to have, you have to remember and understand that Korea during the 60s, 70s and 80s was equivalent to the United States in like the twenties during the great depression. So people were, you know, working factory jobs, making $5 a month. I mean, it was just extreme poverty. So uh, during the Korean war, uh, the United States, obviously they had military bases all littered all over South Korea. And so only natural that soldiers were sleeping with Korean women and prostitution was a kind of like a, profession per se. Uh, so
0: A commodity industry that stemmed from the war. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, So because of that, obviously they had mixed race babies. So what happened was North Korea got wind of this and North Korea does what they do best and they like to pump out propaganda. So they basically started pumping out flyers and like things on their news channels saying, look at South Korea, United States is occupying South Korea and now. They're being colonized by the white people. So, uh, I think out of like a, it feels kind of like a peer pressure type of thing. I don't know, but South Korea didn't want that, or they didn't like the light that was being shine or um, um, put on them. So, basically, Korean adoption started as. A way to get rid of mixed race babies, so they wanted a pure bloodline. Um, and when I found that out, I'm just like, "What?" <laughs> like, so yeah, just hearing that was just kind of shocking for me because I thought that adoption—we all think of it as like a way for people to take in babies from you know parents that can't afford them or take care of them. So the chosen the fact-
0: ones, not the yeah. discarded ones.
1: So the fact that Korea was trying to get rid of mixed race babies just as shocking to me. So that's how it started. And then there was a man named Harry Holt uh, oh. who started a adoption agency called Holt International. No relation to me. Okay,
0: I was about to ask. That's, that's quite the coincidence.
1: Yeah, when I found that out, even when I went to this conference, I was like, they saw my name tag and they said, like, Holt, Holt? Like, Holt International? And I'm like, no, 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 not at all. That's just a coincidence. So <laughs> Harry Holt was an American and he basically brought back a large group of Korean siblings and kids and then adopted all of them. And then basically from like the seventies on, it was just America viewing South Korea as a third world country. So then Mm. they thought, Hey, let's just more altruistic. Let's just take in these, these babies that need homes. And that's why like adoption became super popular. But um, then it, I mean, we'll get into this a little later, but like then it led into money making schemes and, you know,
0: when people saw that people re- were willing to pay like a supply and demand, essentially yeah. babies became a commodity.
1: Absolutely. And I, insane I, to me. I, I don't think that that's just unique to Korea. I think that that's other countries as well. But, um, what makes Korea slightly unique is the culture. So because of prostitution in the sixties and because of the war, um, Korea has a very Confusing and just odd culture when it comes Mm -hmm. to children. So the way it's supposed to work in Korea is that you get married and you have a kid. Awesome. You do that. The child is afforded an ID number. They get uh, healthcare. They get an education. But if you are born outside of wedlock then that baby is literally you don't get an ID number you're not you're just kind of cast off to the side um, so you really don't have an identity wow. just because they hold marriage so sacred so
0: so what would an ID number? not having an ID number, do you know what that would restrict you from doing?
1: You can't even go to school. It's kind of, I want to say it's equivalent to having like a social security card number or a passport or some type of form of ID. Like you wouldn't even be afforded identification.
0: So you can go to school without a passport though.
1: No, yeah. But within the school systems in Korea, I think it's slightly different. You need an ID number just to like be part of society. So it was their way of
0: discouraging just
1: Dis- yeah discouraging people having children outside of marriage um but set that aside the culture also uh when a baby is born they are property of the father what yeah so it's it's a patriarchal uh hierarchy so let's just say the mother and father get divorced the child automatically goes to the father's family so the the woman the mother has no rights over the child
0: which oh my is goodness.
1: Yeah, which that is, would
0: cause problems if she ever wanted to. That's probably so that women can't leave.
1: Yeah, it, uh-huh. it, it really is a okay. obviously a male dominated uh, society. But um, the whole ID rule or that stipulation that um, they created back then changed. I, mean, I'm, I think it was like 2006, so it's pretty recent that they mm-hmm. changed those laws. Uh, but ultimately, if you were um, married or unmarried and you were pregnant. Not only would the, I mean, society kind of shun you and cast you off to the side, but uh, your community also would not support you. So uh, you would have zero support. So that's why a lot of women gave up babies just because of their circumstances. They didn't even either have enough money or they had a baby outside of marriage. Or uh, in Korea, if you get remarried, usually, typically the new husband will not accept children from other marriages.
0: Oh. So that's
1: another reason why women give up children for adoption. Um yeah, it's it's really kind of crazy. So to be given up for adoption in Korea, you to get orphan status, you would have to come from a single unwed mother. So a lot of women based on their situation whether they were single or I mean even horrible situations like rape uh, they would go to adoption agencies and just, um, oh, sorry, especially women that were married that couldn't afford more children, which was, from my understanding, my situation. Uh, married couples would actually go to adoption agencies and ask the adoption agency to forge and just fabricate forms so they could offic- officially give the baby up for adoption. So, without
0: any re- repercussions. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, and so, if your child can't go to school, that's another reason to force mothers to put your kid up for adoption. Like, your kid can't go to school, your kid can't probably get all of other things. It's kind of forcing their hand.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like, and, and so it's. Uh, I can't imagine. Yeah. It, it, the, the conference I went to was really crazy because they actually flew in three birth mothers from Korea, didn't speak English, so we had a translator there. And they came from three different situations that were most common amongst mm-hmm. all us Korean adoptees. So just picture a big auditorium, these three Korean women, and then a crowd of like 150 people or whatever, and all of us are Korean adoptees. So all of us are looking at these three women as, okay, they are in many ways a proxy for what might be my situation. Oh,
0: wow. So
1: the first mother tells her story and she was married, she had a daughter. They were very poor, so they moved in with their in-laws uh, mm-hmm. or her in-laws. And then they had a second baby. So they were living in a small apartment. So it was the the mother, the father, the sister, the daughter, and then her and her husband, and then her two kids. So basically there was six, technically six people in a small apartment. So this woman's mother-in-law forced her to give up her second baby for adoption because she says there's no room in in this place, which is terrible. So she was forced to give her up. Um, The second woman, uh, she was dating a boy... They got pregnant. She wasn't married. So then she was automatically assumed that either amongst her friends that maybe she was a prostitute or uh, her family and his family didn't support the baby because they weren't married. So Did you
0: retroactively get married or is it any child conceived? No, it, it just There's just no misnomer. You can't yeah. have a shotgun wedding.
1: Yeah. I don't even think that that's a thing there. Uh, so, so she gave up her uh, baby for adoption. And then the third woman, which is the saddest story of all, she was able to find a job in Seoul, um, kind of in a factory, and she uh, was able to afford an apartment. She was kind of living on her own, feeling pretty independent. And then she unfortunately got raped and then was trying to hide the pregnancy for a while at work in the factory. And then sooner or later, her belly would show Mm -hmm. and then she got fired because her employers thought she was a prostitute
0: so is it just like assume, if you're unmarried and pregnant you're just automatically assumed it's prostitute
1: like assumed yep yeah, yeah. Oh. um so then she uh basically couldn't afford her apartment because she got fired oh so she lived on the couch of a fellow in um, uh, like worker that worked in the factory with her and then eventually when the baby was born I mean she had no money for food the baby was always crying and then this Person who was letting her sleep on her couch said, Look, you need to get out of here. I I can't, I have to work like 15 hour shifts. Your baby never stops crying. I can't get any sleep. You need to leave. So then she Mm -hmm. was basically on the street. So she had to give up her baby for adoption because she just didn't have the means to take care of the baby. So it was really hard to listen to them talk about this because you have to also remember in their culture, this is so much shame that they live Mm -hmm. with. It's tremendous shame on them, their families. Uh, it it just, it's like that scarlet letter for them. Hester Prynne. Yeah. So, eventually, uh, they turned to the audience and it was kind of moving. They said, you know, why on earth would you want to seek us out as in like birth mothers when we gave you up? Like, we would think that you would be very upset with us. So like, we were were moved that you're all here, but at the same time, we live in so much shame. We can't even like face our only, our our children, but let alone all of you, because we see all of you as kind of our children because we all all kind of, yeah. So that was hard. And then we did a healing circle and they had us each go up to each birth mother, give them a hug. And I, I, I thought, this weekend was going to be like, oh, I'm going to learn about Korean adoption. Woohoo. <laughs> I was cry- I was like ugly crying. Like oh. audible crying. It was terrible. Like and I just remember scream? like just like hyperventilating crying. Like it was mm. it was terrible. So I remember I hugged the first mother and they don't speak English, but she just whispered in my ear and she's crying, I'm crying and she just says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Oh, and it's like
0: ow, yeah. ow ow ow. <laughs> like
1: it was it was heavy and and I I <sighs> made me realize that I think as a Korean adoptee, I've repressed a lot of stuff. And the fact that I was having like a visceral response that I didn't, I couldn't control, I felt like, damn, you know.
0: It's in there, it's ingrained in you. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, oh. but what's crazy is that Korea, even from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and now to today, they have quickly turned their country into a, a very developed nation way faster than the US has. Mm. So, even though things are changing, Korea is still very much set in their ways. And and one really cool thing, at the end of the the conference, there was a representative from the government of South Korea. He had uh, made a video and they played it for us. And basically he said, I think he might've been, might've been the president. I don't remember. Someone high up in their government, basically sent out a video and it said, we live in tremendous shame, giving up over a hundred thousand of you And uh, we want to make it right, and we don't know exactly how to do that, but we welcome you back to South Korea. We want to sponsor trips, which they have a ton of uh, trips that adult adoptees, uh, Korean adoptees can go back, and it's fully funded. But he said that we've erected a park in South Korea that is just dedicated to Korean adoptees. So we'd like you to come back, discover your, your motherland, and we shouldn't have given you up so quickly. And it's just weird like even saying it it's like those mothers felt like my my birth
0: mother that Mm -hmm. guy felt like my birth it was just a weird thing and you just attributed like you were immediately able to imprint on these people
1: yeah super weird and then i'm sitting there and i remember i was with two korean adoptees that are part of my cad group here in utah that flew out we all went to this conference. I'm
0: sorry, just your CAD group, just to reiterate for people yes. who might be joining us right Sorry, now.
1: CAD group is just a Korean adoptees. That will, that's what we call ourselves, CADs. So there are lots of, because there are so many Korean adoptees in the U.S., uh, there are a lot of CAD groups all over the country. So every state has a CAD group that you can find. Sorry um, to, for that yeah, segment. Yeah, but no, just- absolutely. And so I remember after the, the talk, I'm sitting there. And everyone's getting coffee, and I'm just staring off in the distance. And
0: one After of my crying.
1: yeah, and one of my you friends must have been
0: popular in that group. It was <sighs> you were the weird kid.
1: No, I think from everyone I spoke to, most people had been to either a sponsored trip to Korea. Oh. A lot of them had done birth parent searches, either met their birth parents or got information about it. But I was very new to all of this, so I'm just kind of.
0: Out and of it. You were a noob and you had no idea what you're getting yourself into.
1: Yeah. I honestly thought it was going to be a fun weekend and I learned something. Like summer and, camp
0: and then it wasn't.
1: No, it was it was the polar opposite. And I remember one of my friends, his name is Chris as well. He just comes up to me. He's like, you okay? And I, I just said, dude, this is so heavy. And then he laughed and he says, yeah. Yeah. He's like, don't worry. Like we all have been there and it's normal. So don't, don't overanalyze it, but it's good that you're learning this because I think I still have met a lot of Korean adoptees that are not interested in or don't even know that CAD groups exist.
0: We, through this podcast, have had someone reach out to us who doesn't know a lot about Korean adoption. Mm-hmm. And so this has been really great that we also want to shed light for perhaps some younger people who don't know about this history yeah, and about what you might encounter that might be a lot more difficult than other North American adoption stories. Yeah. And, and I I've, I, have met a couple of Korean
1: adoptees that actually, when I mentioned the idea of a CAD group, a lot of them kind of are put off by it. Or mm-hmm. they just think, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And I, that was me. I, I just thought that connecting with other people that are Korean adoptees, that just felt like was weird. And I didn't need to share that with anyone. Uh, but I recommend it. You know, I've become close with my group here and they've helped me kind of even understand more things about my own behavior based Mm -hmm. on being a Korean adoptee. So the depression, the mental health issues that I suffer from, uh, down to all sorts of little things, we all connect on and we all react the same way because we're a product of that system. Uh, And they call Korea, you know, the land of orphans. And so later down the road, it became a money-making scheme. So then, it, you know, people – were, and to this day, there's a database of families in Korea that are looking for their babies that have been sold into the system, which is crazy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think part of me is just wanting to go back to Korea. And I think like anyone, um, we all want to know our roots regardless of whether you're adopted or not, you know. I think that's why Ancestry and
0: – Ancestry 23 and Yeah, 23andMe.
1: Me. All those things are – or, uh, popular because people want to know, all right, what am I made of? Like, what is my percentage of this or that? Or, you know, it's just, it's the curiosity that we all have as human beings, but as adoptees, it's, I think it's a little, it's way deeper and it's way more complicated. And, uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss, you know, it's, it's better Mm. to For me, I I like the idea of knowing that my birth mother was 17, and that was it. That's all I knew. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like that
0: that happy story of she had no other option.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think that my birth parents' search started with me seeing a a documentary called Twinsters, which was made by a a girl named Samantha Buderman, and she is... Uh, Korean Adoption, if you haven't seen that movie, it's on Netflix, it's on Hulu. I think you can find it. You can
0: much. also, so if you are listening from Canada, perhaps we'll make some links just as we're from different countries. But I know that I saw, I found it on Amazon, I believe.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's we'll all over the sure place to, now. Yeah, We'll
0: make sure to link it. And I actually am obsessed with that documentary as well. I forced my dad to watch it when we were in France. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was completely fangirling that you even knew her. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because it's the same thing. I remember I was by myself for a weekend and
1: I wanted to go see a movie. And I looked up some movies at a local theater in Miami where I was living at the time. And there was a movie called Twinsters. I didn't know anything about it. I looked up the synopsis and it said, oh, two identical twin Korean sisters separated birth and find each other 20 years later on the internet. I'm like, I'm a multiple. I'm Korean, I'm adopted. This is perfect. So I went down to this theater I got a, a thing of boba tea just to make myself feel more Korean. So there I am <laughs> in this theater with my boba tea. And I'm like, just like the the conference, I'm like, this would awesome. be awesome. So day. awesome. Five minutes in, ugly crying to a point where someone actually like said in the theater, Are, are you okay? Like, I'm sorry, but you're making a lot of noise. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm So, sorry, sorry. I, I just had to leave for a second. And it was embarrassing, but it made me realize that.
0: You poor thing.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of things that I repressed that I I didn't think I needed to know. And that documentary really pushed that for me where, and there were a lot of similarities in that documentary. So
0: yeah, I've seen it. And so I can.
1: Yeah, Samantha is an American girl that's adopted by a family in New Jersey that has two kids of their own when they adopted her, which my brothers and I were adopted by a family in New Jersey. We've all flew into JFK just like Samantha did. And our, my parents have two kids prior to us. So I thought that was kind of weird. And then the other girl uh, was uh, adopted by a French family in Paris and her uh, adoption agency was Holt International. So there, that was the first time I'd ever heard of that adoption agency. So I'm sitting here thinking that American girl is, that's pretty weird because that's pretty close. I almost identical to our story. And then the fact the other girl was adopted by, or her adoption agency was Holt International. I honestly, for a second, I'm like, who's punking me? Like, where's Ashton, is he gonna jump out? Like, (laughs) this is just too uh, weird. The and
0: similarities then, and coincidences.
1: yeah, and so then after the movie, I remember, uh, I was crying most of the movie. I sat on a into bench, your tea. yeah, into, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I was crying into it and drinking my own tears, <laughs> like it was just a bad situation. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness.
1: So I sat on a bench for like an hour after the movie, and I just said to myself, I need to do a search. And so I called my older sister, uh, and then again, this is another long, this is a tangent, but. Uh, that's what sparked my birth parent search, and I think um, for a lot of us, and I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need that little push because that
0: kick or that awakening.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I would just say the advice that Samantha gave me because I reached out to her, she found out about our story, and she said, "Look, I will help you any way I can," uh, but she even said, "Look, just know that." You need to be okay with whatever you find. When you're opening a door. Wow. And if it's good or bad, especially if it's going to be bad, because let's be honest, it's most likely going to be bad. Uh, you need to be okay with it. And uh, and at the time I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then the more I found out, the more, just more ugly tears and crying. And, it's not um, easy. Yeah. So I think, you know, if... If this podcast is something like that for some people out there, Mm -hmm. that would bring me joy because I think sometimes for me, especially, I think in retrospect, I was just too scared to know or find out. I'd rather, you know, keep that story in my head of her just being too young to keep us. Uh, So at the end of the day, people ask me sometimes when when I tell them the story, they say, like, do you regret searching, doing Mm -hmm. the search? And to be honest, no. And I feel like I should have done it sooner, you know, um, because I think set adoption aside, I think we all think we have enough time, you know, I'm going to do it on Monday. I'm going to start this next month. I'm going to New Year's resolutions, like all this stuff, but you could get hit by a truck tomorrow and it doesn't really matter. So honestly, if you have any, even an inkling, just a small desire, you really should start, you know, because I don't know about you, but. For most adoptees that I've talked to, it's a long road.
0: It is. And I and I would also say that um, that's great advice for any adoptee, be okay with what you find. We all have this grandiose view in our head that it's gonna be something perfect and almost mm-hmm. this, that we're infallible or-
1: You, you think know, of these like, These classic movie scenes where it's like,
0: oh, everything's rainbows and awesome. You you run across the field and your first family, and you're like, no, that's not going to be what's going to happen. I hate to say it, most adoptees are a dirty secret. Yeah. You are. And I would say so Origins Canada website um, dictates the reunion process as the reunion roller coaster. And that's Um, a really great way of. Of looking at it there's different stages and we'll go through that likely tomorrow but it's just a roller coaster and you're strapped in and once you're strapped in on this roller coaster when you hit a certain point there's no going back
1: yeah yeah because once you get that momentum you can't it's literally a machine that just keeps going and there are moments where sometimes you're like i want to get off the
0: ride completely and that's when someone described it I, in the resources we've been looking at that you, there's comes a certain point in a roller coaster human nature. You're like, no, I don't want to, but you are in this. You can't close that door mm-hmm. once you've opened it.
1: Yeah. Once you open it, it's open. And um, what did I say
0: to you? I want to just look through the mail slot.
1: Yeah. 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 That's what I think a lot of us want to do. But um, despite starting my search at 32, which was six years ago, I still don't have any finalized answers or conclusions or anything like that. And it would require me to go back to Korea, which I was accepted into a sponsored trip. Uh, and truth be known, I completely forgot that I applied for it. <laughs> so I got- <laughs> Did made. you just do it
0: late, late night?
1: Late night. I don't know what was happening, uh, but I, get, I got an email. Uh, I don't even know when I did it, but I got an email and it just says, congratulations. I was about to like delete it. Cause you thought I was banned. Yeah, but it, it had, uh, I think it was called a Bridge Tour. So mm-hmm. it just said, Bridge Tour, congratulations. I'm like, what? He says, congratulations, you've been accepted into this Bridge Tour. I think that's the name of it. Uh, you know, we have, I think it's only 12 spots. And you had, I, apparently I looked up the app, you had to write an essay. I don't remember what I wrote. I don't remember writing an essay, but I got accepted into this program. So I was super excited. And then I thought, oh man, I can't go without my brothers. So, I sent them an email. I said, Hey, is there any way, any spots for my brothers to maybe apply? And then they wrote me back. They're like, We're so sorry, but we only have a limited budget. And the deadline for the essays was like three months ago. And I'm like, oh, So, at no.
0: least we know when he wrote the essay.
1: Yes. Uh, so, then obviously, because of COVID, the whole thing was canceled
0: anyway. So, um, that is a great tip, too, though. I mentioned that I did a late night search and thought I accidentally found something. Do not do late night adoption searches. Do not break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or get into a fight with a friend and decide to go in and
1: don't do this drunk. Don't do this under the influence of anything because honestly it's, oh my gosh, it's jarring. It's super jarring. And as, and I was conflicted. I was like, should I be excited? Like, yeah, I'm scared now. Like I don't, That's a big step to go to Korea by myself without my brothers.
0: Shower, have a coffee, do it in the morning. Um, I've had a few situations and times where I thought I found something and had panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Also, in birth searches and and looking for things, never go looking. So finding your birth family is going to rock the foundation and rock you as a human being. If you are already going through a mental health issue, if you have lost your job, If you are in a low time, if you are struggling with depression and you do not feel like you have a support system, Mm -hmm. it is my personal recommendation. Don't go looking for something. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, It's really great to have someone as a support system. I would actually recommend if you can get therapy as you're going through this Mm -hmm. to get therapy before. There are adoption therapists, which are really great.
1: Yeah. And I I think also because there was so much trauma linked to adoption. And that was part of the the conference, was talking about depression, suicide rates, um, divorce rates. These are all, I don't know what the the statistics are for everyone else, but current adoptees, high suicide rates, high divorce rates, and that's just high mental health issues, depression, all these different things. Mm -hmm. So because those things are... You know, I feel like when you're born, everything, like you are just this perfect being and then whatever you're, you start getting cracks here and chips there. And then before you know it, you know, this whole idea, and this is another topic of physical touch within the first, you know, hours or whatever that is, you know, who knows, but there's a lot of trauma for any, any human being that isn't, that is, you know, taken from their birth mother and then kind of shipped off. So Going back to what Claire was saying, if you are not in a good headspace,
0: don't go looking.
1: Like we're already broken as it is. It's like if you're not in a good headspace and then you go looking, I, I mean, it's just a, a recipe for disaster. Uh,
0: so yeah, and Miss Michelle Visage on, so she's on RuPaul's podcast. Mm-hmm. So she's like, she's been his best friend forever. She's such a, an incredible human being, and I remember going on a run. And listening to their podcast about other stuff. And she talks about trauma in the womb. Mm. That there's almost... There's been research done. There's a psychosomatic connection. That when there's trauma from from just like when you're being conceived or being carried. That there's almost that connection. And like you said, the first moments of being held. Mm -hmm. I personally... I don't know if this is towards adoption. We'll find out my story. When I cry or I'm upset, I don't want anyone to touch me. And I've been like that since I was a kid. Because... I hate to say it, no matter who your foster parent is, or if you were in an orphanage, when you are taking care of multiple children. That's a good question. Do you know what I mean? Like you're taking care of multiple children. And that's something I want to find out. Multiple children, you're just trying to meet the needs of all of these kids. Yeah. Right. And so if one kid is crying, so if you have a one-on-one parent, and or if it's your child, if your child's crying, you're going to pick it up and you're going to do all of that stuff. When you're of the state, and the kid's fine. Like you changed it, you fed it. You know, like that's. Int- I don't
1: even know. I've thought about that. Like when I'm, anytime I've had an emotional moment, I don't want to be physically touched or around people.
0: It makes me angry when they yeah. try to. Like I get.
1: Yeah, and I, and I <laughs> guess that's, that's really good. I account. didn't even think about that because, I guess with other people that I've known over the years and even past relationships, always like, I'm sad. Just hold me. And you're just like, and, why? And for me. I always feel, I, I can picture myself like holding someone and thinking like. So, and that's another thing too. This okay. So
0: when you were, I'm, I'm not going to call you out, but you were getting a little bit emotional when you were talking about getting emotional. Oh yeah. And so I feel like any other human instinct would have been to be like. Yes. But I looked at you and I'm like, oh good. I don't have to pretend. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like I don't have to be like. Yeah. Pfft. Like, do you ever do the awkward back pat? Oh, And totally. like the butt out hug, like. This is great. I love this. Let's do this for a long time or even,
1: but those are like even deeper conversations. Like how do you deal with death? How do you deal with, you know, things like that? I mean, I feel like anytime I'm having something extremely emotional, I kind of almost kind of shut off. Like I, 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 I feel apathetic. I feel
0: protected. almost.
1: Yeah. I, I feel removed, you know, like I can see the feeling and the emotion, but I have, I don't I'm not connected to it, you know? Like I, I need to separate myself from that. And it's just something I think I've always done. And I don't know if that was just me or the fact that-
0: You're adopted. It's like, yeah. I. It's we're going to be going through and trying to figure out, separate what's adoption and what's- Yeah.
1: Just well, what's even stopping. dealing with depression and PTSD and, and all these things that I, I suffer from, I think hearing other adoptees, Korean adoptees talk about their mental health issues, it really did make me feel- which is part of this whole point of this podcast is to create a community, is to create a safe place for people to feel like, oh, that person sees me and I see them and I, I, I get it, you know, because when yes. I first met my, yeah, when I first met my CAD group, the first thing I thought was, these, all these people look super Korean, like they don't know me, they don't know what's up. And then we were all in a Korean restaurant. And we didn't, we were all asking like, hey, have you ever had this? And like, we didn't know much about Korean cuisine. So it was just this weird, funny dinner where it's like, I've never had that. Like, I don't know, like, you know. Does anyone want to go to like Applebee's instead? Yeah, totally. And so then we started sharing photos of our families. And then I realized, everyone had white families. And
0: I'm like, oh my gosh, they totally get it. I mean, okay. And you guys all just picked the Korean restaurant because you thought the other Korean adoptees would want to go to the Korean no restaurant. No, no,
1: no. Uh, Carrie, who's uh, part of the group, she I think she recommended it. And I mean, she's definitely had more Korean food than I have. So I th- we just thought it would be nice for us to eat Korean food and just connect over a Korean meal. That's like so awesome. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. It's just and, so awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's been really great. And, and I feel like it goes back to that idea that I wish I had found a group like that earlier on. I, I, but again, you know, hindsight's 2020. So, uh, but yeah, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about with the CAD groups, I think that they're super unique. And the idea also was to try to create a similar group that CADs have for you and everyone else out there.
0: And, and just in hearing about your CAD groups, I, I, messaged back to you. I'm like, Oh wow, I wish I had that. And I think that we've realized in all of the adoptees that we've talked to that we all feel this way mm-hmm. and we all have similar, similar sentiments and that'd be just great. We would really love to in the future host live shows.
1: Yeah. Zoom calls or live shows. That'd be really awesome. Um, I, you know, even my younger sister is Chinese and we adopted her when we were living in Singapore. And again, she has, she doesn't have a community, even though there are lots of Chinese adoptees out there, but it's just not It's not the same for whatever reason, and maybe it's just because of the vast number of Korean adoptees Mm -hmm. within those three decades. But um I think one thing that I did take away from the conference was that they did bring up Native Americans and adoptions Mm -hmm. within their community and how there Mm -hmm. are so many parallel lines between Native Americans and adoption and Korean Mm -hmm. adoption, which really at the end of the day, I think can Cover most adoptions. I think that a lot of the issues and the topics that we always talk about, you know, are are universal amongst most of
0: us. I would have to say there one of the differences is it wasn't necessarily a shame culture mm. for at least in Canada. There's something yeah. called the '60s sweep. We really want to cover um, like First Nations, Aboriginal adoption in Canada because it it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah it wasn't a necess- like necessarily like cultural pressure. It was literal, literal removal, mm-hmm. forceful removal of people. From oh bumps, yeah. Yeah. Which is so heartbreaking because then they're in the same country. So then mm-hmm. there's kids trying to run away. Yeah. And yeah. So, but just adoption as a whole, we have this common trauma that brings us all together. And so I've felt connected to a lot of adoptees, but, To say that you and I became fast friends is an understatement. Yeah. And we want that for all of you.
1: Yeah. And I think um, one big thing that we've heard from a lot of people is this common feeling of feeling like I don't belong or Mm -hmm. people don't get me or I've always had this weird vibe or thought or feeling that I couldn't really articulate as a young kid. And, you know, despite, and again, there are a lot of people that are adopted into great families and everything's yeah. happy, but there's still something missing and it's no one's fault. It's just a product of a situation. So,
0: yeah. yeah. And and I, so I had an instance where people like to explain to me why I should be grateful. So I finally had had enough and I've been very passive and conformist my entire life. So it's not until probably about this year that i've had the wherewithal to have any sort of confrontation Mm -hmm. so this particular individual i didn't know them really well but they said well why do you care like you should be grateful yada 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 so i turned it around on them in in a positive way but i said okay so like where's your family from and they said well my grandfather's from this country my grandmother's from that country and i said wow that's really interesting you know that must really shape how you feel about yourself and they said yeah I'm American, but I identify as X, Y, Z. And then I said, do you look like anybody in your family? And they said, yeah, I have my grandmother's eyes and I'm tall, like my mother's grandfather. And I look similar to my sister. And, and I was like, that's so cool. And then, so I just was asking the mother leading questions. I'm like, what time were you born? <laughs> and they're like, at 3.30, I'm like, where were you born? They're like... You know, all this stuff and like having them feel this nostalgic feeling and deep rooted good feelings. And I said, now I want you to wipe all that away. Who are you? And I said, also, you can't know because the government says you can't find out Mm -hmm. until you're 18. And that for them, they were just like, whoa.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's there are so many things people take for granted. Um, That's why I love meeting people's parents, because I love seeing mannerisms, you you know, idiosyncrasies uh, looks facial features expressions stuff like that um which is super fascinating to me but then that leads into you know what we were talking about before like the whole nature versus nurture like how much of me is a product of just me or how much is it a product of being raised by my parents so but ultimately i mean my birth parent search you know after seeing that movie and it totally like (laughs) rock my world I remember I I went to dinner by myself after the movie I was on the phone with my older sister you're so emo and she was crying (laughs) because I was crying and she says how could you see that movie by yourself I'm like Jen I thought it was going to be like fun and like I was going to learn something but it was just really like a kick in the nuts and she says oh my god are you okay do you can I meet you like I said no no I'm fine that's
0: such an adoptive thing I was eating at
1: Earl's which is a Canadian restaurant (gasps) oh Mm-hmm. in Miami and some clients from a gym that I used to own in Miami they came walking by oh no of course and of course there I am crying over my plate and the woman eating
0: carbs she,
1: yeah <laughs> I was eating french fries I'll never forget it and she just looks at me and she says are, are, are you crying are you okay and and I just said oh allergies you know and there's no allergies in Miami I'm like oh yeah, I'm just allergies." To, and, to
0: emotions about adoption? I'm allergic to emotions.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And then, um, my older sister is a partner at an immigration firm in Miami. So then I, wow. I call, I called her and I said, Hey, I want to do a birth parent search, but anything I find, can I just send to you because I need it? Just double check by you to see if things are legit. So then I called my mom and I asked her, I didn't even like segue into it. I just, Hey mom, What's the name of the adoption agency that you adopted us from?
0: Oh, I do that all the time. To make, like, there's no intro and there's no like. But
1: I don't know what to tell her. Like, so I just said there was a long pause, and I could just picture my mom's face and how she was reacting to it. And and then she just says, "What? Why? Why do you want to know?" And I said, "Well, I just saw this movie called <laughs> Twinsters. So if you want to know what I'm going through right now, you can watch it. This has nothing to do with you. I just need some closure." And she says, okay, it was called love the children. So I said, okay, cool. Google search, love the children, doesn't exist anymore. So I'm like, okay, that sucks. But it had a bunch of links for different organizations in Korea uh, that I could email. So I sent out a very generic email. And mind you, at this time, the adoption papers that I had from my parents, uh, it only said that our birth mother was 17 and no other real information on our birth parents. And there was a photo attached to the file that my brothers and I all have. So my mom made a copy of it. It's framed. Oh. All three of us have it. It's on the fridge.
0: And is it, it's of you three, correct?
1: Yeah. So it's us three being held by three women. For, at the time, 32 years of my life, I had no idea who they were. My mom didn't know who they were. It's just these three women. My mom just says, they told us this was taken before you left for the States. So I said, okay, cool. So... I sent out a generic email, I said, hi, my name is Chris Holt. I'm an identical triplet born December 20th, 1982. I'm just looking for more information on our birth parents. That's all I said. Didn't say anything about the adoption agency. I just said, birth year, identical triplets, uh, and and that was it. So I got a lot of emails back saying, oh, you need to pay us hundred dollars and we'll get some information. And I'm like, I'm not paying any money.
0: So it's like, after the fact, it was a money making scam to sell kids and then now to find your information Mm-hmm. because they didn't know if they were the real, they want a processing fee and they might not have any information. Oh, for them. sure. You don't know. Oh I mean, there's so many scams on the internet anyway. So,
1: oh. so I, and I sent those to my sister and she's like, don't, don't, this is bogus, don't.
0: Okay, so yeah. people mm-hmm. looking Korean adoptees don't
1: pay yeah. money. You should not pay any money for anything. No. For information. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I get an email a week later and there is a guy named Park Kyung-yong from Korean Adoption Services, KAS, and he, and he writes in the email, Hello, Christopher, I have your Love the Children documents on my desk. So you didn't reference Love the documents? I didn't, didn't reference that. So then I said, wow. what? So then he says, uh, based on the Adoption Act of 2012, which I don't even know what that is, uh, you need to fill out an application to request a birth parent search. And since there's three of you, we need three of these applications signed. So I sent it to my older sister. I'm kind of freaking out because I didn't mention love the children of this person. And my little or my older sister looks up this uh, adoption agency or the KAS, and then she calls me and she says, "I don't know how you found this person, but this this that all legit. checks out." So then she's like nervous. I'm freaking out. I'm shaking. So then I I told her I said, "What do I what do I do?" She's like, "Email back. Fill out the application."
0: But so so, I have, mm-hmm. so just because so one of the unique instances of your adoption is that there's three of you yes so when you're searching for me i am a governing body of one yep i'm a one-man army Mm -hmm. there's three of you so at this point in time at any point in time did you call your brothers oh
1: i told them they had no interest in doing a search so they were like yeah do whatever you want but they
0: so they they weren't
1: they weren't against it they just have no desire to do it
0: themselves so because you were a triple though had one of them been against it nothing (laughs) would have come of this um
1: well, no, here, like, so we have the applications. I filled it out and literally it's name, address, sign it. Justin fills it out. I send it to Jeremy. So you could- Three days later, I'm like, Jeremy, what are you doing right now? And he says, I'm, I'm busy. I said, Jeremy, it's a one piece of paper application. Just sign it for me. And, he, and then he just says, I'm really busy, bro. And at the time, Jeremy wasn't extremely busy. So, of course, I got frustrated and I said, look, out of everyone in this family, you're the least busy person in this family. Oh, So, that's you know fired. what? I'm just going to sign it for you. So,
0: yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. He's, you're so, going to allegedly sign it for yeah.
1: him. So, I allegedly signed the documents, um, sent them in. <laughs> uh, so, I get an email back and it says, all right, so we've gotten the applications, So, we're starting the process. But in the meantime, we feel that it's important to tell you now. That's all he wrote. And I'm like, what does that
0: mean? Like, there's it was open-ended? Like, he almost... Yeah. Like, he forgot to send the rest of the email? So,
1: well, it says, uh, we thought it would be important to tell you now. Uh, if you're interested, email me back. So then I'm like, well... Tell you uh, what now? Duh. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, I want to know. I don't know what that is. So then he says to me, oh, well, I'm attaching the original, the, the correct adoption documents... Wait, what? That were forged because... At the time, again, I thought our birth mother was single, but come to find out they were married. So then they told the adoption agency to fabricate forms so we would be eligible to be put into orphan status. Because remember, (laughs) the mother has to be single and unwed. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So he says, well, you know, here are the papers. Um, Your parents were married. And you have a brother that was five years old when you were born. So then right off the bat, that first sentence, I'm freaking out. Because I'm thinking, oh, our birth mother's 17. She maybe got remarried and has other kids. So maybe because I have like siblings or whatever. Siblings. Yeah, Oh, my God. So to find out that we were a happy family and we just didn't stay together because of money was heartbreaking. Uh, so then he says, also... And then I found out our birth mother's 26, birth father was 32, which is weird because I was 32 at the time that I was looking for them. Of course, it has to be that exact age. Yeah, super weird. And then he says, oh, I've also attached a photo. I don't know if you have it, but it's of uh, it was taken the day before you all left for JFK Airport. Uh, if you want to know who these women are, I can let you know. What? And I'm like...
0: Okay, well, I guess maybe he's being respectful because maybe other people don't know. But for me, the mystery and intrigue, like, did you get anything done or any sleep in between these emails? No,
1: not at all. Like, I, I was crying most of the time. And then I cry myself to sleep. I wake up. I'm crying again. It's like, it's that scene in uh, The Holiday where she's just crying all the time. Like, that's how I feel. It was just constant crying and emotions. I that,
0: that Dane Cook's comedy sketch as well where he's like, hello. And then you just cry in the mirror to make yourself cry harder.
1: Yeah. It was, it was ugly. So I get an email back and he says, okay, well the woman on the left, and again, unbeknownst to me at the moment, I didn't know we were separated. I thought we were all in the same foster home. Oh
0: God. Uh,
1: He says, the woman on the left was your foster mother that took care of you and Justin. The woman in the middle is your caseworker who uh, did medical checkups once a month for the first 17 months that you guys were here until you left. And then the woman on the right is Jeremy's foster mother. So then I had a billion questions. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? two foster mothers. Why were we, we were in different homes. He says, yeah, we were separated. Couldn't find, you know, three or uh, two, one woman that could take take care of uh, three babies all at once. Um, So we found two women in the same neighborhood. So I thought, okay, fine. And then he said, "Uh, believe it or not, but your caseworker is my boss. And (gasps) Wait, like his current boss? His current boss. And she says, she still works here at Korean Adoption Services. And when I told her that you reached out, Uh, She started crying because the sweaters you're all wearing, she knitted for all three of you before you left. So then I'm crying. I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like that lady's basically she's our mom. Like she is our mom for the first 17 months of our. life. She was
0: like taking care of you and knitted you matching sweaters for your special trip.
1: Yeah. So then I wanted to get her email, but they refused to give me her email address. So I couldn't even contact her. And then I said, okay, cool. Let's do this search. So then uh, like three weeks later, he emails me back. He says, oh, we found some information on your birth mother. But unfortunately, I'm sorry to say this, but she passed away last June.
0: When did you, when were you searching?
1: Um, I don't even, I, it's all in my email. So it probably okay. was like September. Like it was recent, like apparently from what they were saying, like she passed away like months prior to the search. This sounds like a
0: movie. Like yeah. this sounds like something I would yeah. pay money to read.
1: Yeah. And so there I'm crying because then I'm I called my brother Justin and I remember he told me, he says, Hey man, man, this is okay. We never knew her, so it's it's okay. And I said, But we don't have a choice now. That's what bothers me.
0: It's that option. And that's one of the things we talked about in our first episode. Yeah. That the longer that you wait, the less likely relatives are gonna be alive. And so we want to put that into people's minds. Like you said, you know, you always have time, what and whatnot. No, like if you are life is short. Yeah. And if you're in a great place and you you wanna look and know like yeah oh my gosh
1: and then a week later i got another email saying we found information on your birth father unfortunately he died in 1985 so then i said 1985 he was 32 Uh, we were born in 82 so he he was only 35 when he died and then i said i sent them an email i said well can you tell me how they passed away like what were the circumstances what did she die from how did he die at 35 And then he writes, well, based on the Adoption Act in 2012, we can't give you that medical information without their consent. I said, all due respect, you just told me they're dead. So who am I going to get consent from? Can I get consent from a, a relative? And they said, well, we're not allowed to reach out to them based on the laws here. And then I said, okay, what about our brother? You told me I had a brother that was five years old when we were born. And then he says, we have no information on your brother. So it'd be literally trying to find a needle in a haystack. So literally that was the end of that search. And then fast forward back to this, uh, conference at Berkeley, I told everyone and I'm talking like older adoptees in their fifties and sixties, told them the story. And they just said to me, that stuff is a lie. Don't listen to anything you hear. I don't want to get your hopes up, but it's most likely a lie. The only way you're going to know, unless you have an actual death certificate and you need to go to create get that.
0: And I'm like, what?
1: So unfortunately that's kind of where it's at. So you're on a
0: standstill now. Oh yeah,
1: totally. Total standstill. So part of me, was crushed when I got those emails. But then going to the conference, I got a little angry because I felt like Misled. I had all those emotions that might not even be real. Like So the- you
0: grieved for someone who might still be there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's weird. And I don't know what to believe. So it's it's confusing. So going back to that idea of ignorance is bliss, I don't regret doing the search. I think It's given me some information, not enough, or it hasn't given me any type of um, closure. But Carrie, one of the girls in my CAD group, when she went to this conference with me, she met her birth mother for the first time at that conference. And she was told that her birth mother was dead. So, yeah, so she met her birth mother. I met her. I remember, and sorry, Carrie, you can attest to this, but when she saw me with all my tattoos, she was a little like, I mean, she's OG Korean, like just very traditional
0: well, I, I i hate to say you might give some north american mothers a bit of oh yeah
1: too. yeah people he's people cross nice. streets he's very nice they, yeah it's yeah um, <laughs> i'm probably
0: the dangerous one
1: i'm a teddy bear i i mean <laughs> look like my guilty pleasure is pop music i mean
0: <laughs> okay. yeah we joke that there's one girl in this podcast and it's not me me
1: <laughs> so um but you know i think it's uh just don't wait because I mean, I was just talking to my mom today and my grandfather just passed away and she was just saying, thank you. Um, she was just saying, look, one day you wake up and you think, Holy crap. You know, my mom is, I'm not going to say her age on here because she's going to be super pissed. She likes to tell everyone that she's 24.
0: Yeah, your mom's 24. Yeah.
1: So she's like, oh my gosh. mom's always
0: 24 for infinity. That's the rule. But even
1: for me, I felt like, and I don't know if this is just me, but I thought living at 21, Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid, I'm like, if I can just get to 21, like that would be like really crazy. I'm like I shocked didn't that think, I made it to 30. Yeah, I didn't think I'm I shocked. was going to live past 21 for some reason.
0: I made stupid decisions. I once had to walk over the Canadian border at Niagara Falls with my suitcase. Yeah, don't tell the story.
1: Yeah, I was... Yeah, So <laughs> many stupid decisions in college from being in a fraternity and just partying. You were in a fraternity? Oh, yeah. Sigma Phi so Epsilon. so
0: American.
1: Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Oh, don't get me wrong. I lived overseas my entire life. And when I moved to the States, I wanted to go on a yellow school bus because I love the magic yellow school bus the children's Miss bus. Rizzo? Yeah. Loved it. Got on one. They're death traps. There's no seatbelts. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. The windows don't work. Uh, I mean, I'm used to the buses that we had in Norway were what you guys are here in America would consider like charter bus had like air conditioning bathrooms and stuff like that. So I just thought that's what all and this is me being super spoiled thought that all buses had that so when i got on one i just thought wow this the fantasy was so much better than reality like this sucks i mean this is a death. there's no seat belts i'm like how is this possible but
0: um they i think they don't have school buses in canada they're just like four seats or five seats really no
1: oh <laughs> I was like, Wait, are you talking about like a a short bus like what um, i'm sorry i
0: just said uh we ride our moose yeah. <laughs> we actually had blizzard drills where you would strap like the younger kids to the older kids and you'd walk walk home together what? yeah like i've never had a snow day like mm. there's no such thing as a snow day
1: well i guess that makes sense
0: well no but like it'd be like up to your way so it'd be yeah. the point where they're like okay older children <laughs> make sure the other children don't end up in a snow drift and you-
1: oh my gosh that's crazy But that's, yeah, it's, I just feel like, you know, I woke up and now I'm 38, you know, and it's, it really does fly by. So
0: It, it completely does.
1: Yeah. And I just encourage everyone, you know, if it's scary, just email us. Yeah. Email us, but then just know that that's okay. It's okay to feel fear or anxiety from it because, you know, it, a lot of this touches subconscious parts of us, all of us. That you repress that, to survive. Yeah, we don't have access to consciously. So, Consummate. yeah, until you are hit with a moment like I had it at this conference with these Korean birth mothers, or I boba didn't tea. know it was there. Yeah, or the boba tea, yeah. Uh, but I didn't know it was there until it strikes a nerve and then you realize, oh, wow, that that's real. So... Uh, and
0: that is crazy that you have a visceral reaction. I've had some instances and things I've read and done. I would say that it is don't go to adoption movies by yourself or
1: yeah, don't anything. don't think you're gonna have a fun time. Um, <laughs> I I honestly thought it was gonna be the best time, and I had someone literally basically tell me to shut up and stop crying because I was disrupting everyone.
0: That's oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably would have gotten like an uncomfortable hug in Canada.
1: Well. What happened when that person told me to pipe down? They actually said, pipe down. And it made me cry harder because I'm like, this guy doesn't know my story. You know, it's just, oh Maybe my God. Maybe he's watching
0: this podcast and he feels, or listening and feels real bad.
1: I didn't even know that. I didn't see the guy's face. It's okay. But he'll know. Yeah. Yeah. If you were in Miami and you saw Twinsters in theater at <laughs> Sunset Place,
0: there's a weird guy. You're a dick. (laughs) There's a guy crying in his boba tea. Like, like literally, I'm picturing, like, I'm going to do, we have to do a t-shirt now of you in a movie theater with boba tea being, like, and then, like, on the back with french fries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to... uh,
0: It's okay to cry in your boba tea.
1: Eat your emotions. It's fine. So, Uh,
0: but (laughs)
1: everyone, please reach out because that's what this whole podcast and platform Mm -hmm. is for. Uh, to help you. And again, we've made it very clear. We don't have all the
0: answers. I have no answers.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> we want to be on this journey with you and help you in any way that we can. So whether that's helping you find resources, helping you uh, helping you research things. I mean, any questions you have, like, how do I search for this or how do I start that? Yeah. Email us at hello at com.
0: And what's really great, again, another facet is that we're in very different stages of our search. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Um, Again, you're much farther than I am. So you guys are going to be experiencing me. I'm purposely going through every step.
1: It's kind of like the documentary. Like Samantha filmed everything in real time, which made it very compelling because it was real emotions. It was real. Nothing was scripted. Nothing was rehearsed. It was just raw emotions. And and so and it's
0: crazy yeah. to me because I came up with a docu-series concept in 2009 when I was doing, I was at art school, of, of course, um, <laughs> uh, to do a docu-series. And so that's why I've never done anything like Ancestry or Psychic or anything like that. And so it is going to be really cool for us to be doing this real time. And it's pretty scary to let you guys in on, on on this with us. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. So the goal is that we'll all just be scared and terrified together. But we're we'll gonna cry stand, together.
0: We're gonna stand back to back, arms linked.
1: Yes. Yes. So just know that strength comes in numbers. And that's what we want to create here is to create a community that makes you feel less like alone. Yeah. I'm by myself, no one gets me to hey, I have my origins group. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and then we, we promise not to hug you if you don't want it.
1: Yeah. Don't worry. And plus, we need to do the social distancing anyway <laughs> as we sit here.
0: Well, we did our tests. We, we did, did our tests, day. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. In, in case anyone comes at us, we did all of our our testing. Um, okay. Well, I am feeling like we're going to need a part two Yes. on your story. Um, this is until we kind of have a following we're going to be doing our stories just to start it's it's really good for us to go first yeah if we're expecting all of you to open up and talk to us we have to do it first so tomorrow we're going to be talking about adoption in Canada in the 80s from my perspective um I don't really know a lot but I've actually found some pretty interesting things like I said today I'm like oh hey do you know that I was supposed to (laughs) submit a veto
1: yeah (laughs) no and honestly if you've find out some information that we don't talk about, please share Share. it, you know, because this is really kind of like an open platform. We want, we want input, you know? Yep.
0: So, okay, great. Well, we are going to go and watch Letter Candy because I'm obsessed.
1: All right. Well, you guys have a great night. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Yeah. Great. Bye guys. Bye. If you'd like to connect with us on Instagram or TikTok, you can find us at
1: Origins Unknown Podcast.
0: You can follow my co-host at Beyond the Tats. You can find me at
1: Sea Bear Huntington. We're also on Twitter. Follow us at
0: O-Unknown Podcast. If you'd like to visit our website, it's
1: OriginsUnknownPodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to send us questions, uh, share your story, or even just say hi, you can send us an email
0: at Hello at OriginsUnknownPodcast.com. Special thanks to Pace Randolph for writing, performing, and producing the audio for our podcast. Follow him on Spotify for more wonderful music. I think I walked the long way home. Now, for just pick me up and hold me close when things get rough.
1: And you're